going out there, not knowing where you're going to live. I mean, I had no idea where I was going to live when I landed on my flight, started, got to campus as quick as I could, looked around for apartments. What's cheap? What can I afford? Started going in there asking, can I live here? Can I pay a little bit cheaper? Can I live here for a couple weeks, a couple months? And finally finding a place with, uh, oh, this was, this was awful, man. The place that I first lived when I got there. Welcome to the Talking Shop Podcast, where I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Thomas, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Valentini. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Quite the last name. So a quick background about how, well, first, he's the head strength and conditioning coach at St. Lawrence High School outside of Chicago. He did an internship out at UCLA. He played volleyball at Benedictine University as well as he is the head sports performance coach at Hustle Strength and Performance, a private facility. But a little bit of background about how he and I know each other. Actually, on TSP92, Dr. Brad Lashinsky slid into my DMs, I forgot how long ago, just asking about force plates and, and whatnot and, and stuff. And then I, we just stayed in touch. I came out to St. Lawrence. That's where I met Jonathan. Long story short, we vibe, had some phone calls. I enjoyed watching you do your thing from a distance. And here we are now. So Jonathan fits my target audience of that young coach, as this is your first head SNC role. So I'm super excited to get into that. And I want to ask, because this is your first year, if you could just talk about that kind of vaguely, because this is what, this is what my audience looks for. You know, they're, they're in grad school, just graduated and just like your first year, just hit us. Yeah. I mean, so you kind of touched on it, but right after my internship at UCLA, uh, came home in December of 2019, uh, met with Brad, like talked about, he offered me the position in January. So boom, started off right there, January, 2020. Um, so it's been almost a year and a half now, um, being at St. Lawrence as the head coach, but it's been, uh, it's been a great experience so far, uh, learning a ton, especially being, a so young, being only going to turn 24 here in a couple of days. Um, being a head strength coach at such a young age is a lot to take on, a lot of responsibility. Um, but it's something that I am very grateful for and something that I'm happy that he offered me. How, how are you and Brad connected? Uh, I mean, cold call pretty much, man. I mean, I was out in California. The internship was about to come to an end. Started looking for a position back home. I knew I was coming back home for sure. I didn't really want to stay out in California. Um, applied on LinkedIn or Indeed. I forgot which of the two. He reached out um, for just interview questions. Fill this out. Send it back whenever you got it. Let me know what you think. Um, filled it out. Sent it over. Had an interview with his um, assistant coach, Mo. And then passed that. Did well with Mo. And then eventually came home and met with Brad in person and then got the offer there. So, I mean, one of the few opportunities that's like a cold call, just sending a resume application, all that. It's funny because as I did my whole huge job search, networking, like actual networking that I talk about way too much on my podcast, but I always say like, ah, oh, you know, like, like I still apply to jobs. Like no one ever really gets jobs by just applying. Every time I decide to say that someone just hops in and goes, actually like, that's how I got my job. So it does happen. It does. it does. And it's crazy how it all does work out. So last round of, I guess I call it the surprise questions. Cause I always have a few that I want to ask that I don't want you to prepare. 
So what is one thing that completely like met your expectations? Because these jobs that we speculated about that we never had before, like just from an outsider, just chatting with people. So what's one thing that you had an idea about that going into it, just like met it. And one thing that like, no amount of talking to people reading about it could have prepared you for. Oh man. I mean, I think the one thing I expected, uh, when I came to the final round of my interview, I kind of walked around with Brad, shattered him a little bit, see how sessions were going. I kind of had an idea of how high school strength and conditioning would work. I mean, coming from a college sector, seeing how organized and different things are and then thinking about what a high school uh, realm could look like. I had an idea it would be less organized, but still in a way that would function athletes would get the, the benefit out of it. And that's one thing I kind of knew going in was like, it's not going to, it's not going to be the same structure and organization as a college level program where you have multiple coaches running around helping different teams at the same time. But high school, it's, it's quite the opposite. I mean, you have one, maybe two coaches, if you're lucky, helping four, three, four teams at a time in one little weight room. So the organization of it is really, really difficult to master being one coach and setting up uh, teams in one area going all at the same time. So that's really difficult. Um, what was the other part of your question? The second part? Something that no amount of phone calls or just whatever could have prepared you for about that first head coach gig. Yeah. I mean, the, the constant going, going, going is much different um, than the college sector. I mean, you go from warm up to, to work out, to cool down in your, your college sector, but in high school, you don't really get that opportunity. Sometimes you're relying on a sport coach to run that warm up, um, to run your stretching beforehand, run your movement prep for you while you're transitioning from one team to the next. Um, and that's something that you gotta, you gotta create a good amount of trust um, in the, those sport coaches to do what you expect out of them. Because if they're not warmed up properly and you don't like what they took them through with the movement prep, then things can go haywire pretty quick. <clears throat> Fantastic. And then the last thing I, I just thought of, as like I said, you fit my target audience as you're doing it. Do you have any advice for that first legit full-time interview or for that first full-time job? Yeah, I mean, go go into it prepared. I mean, prepare over-prepare for it, over-prepare it. Um, there's no such thing as being too ready for something. I mean, you can always, um, if there's something that you do in the interview that they don't like and they say, okay, you don't have what we're looking for. Okay. On to the next one. I mean, you take it and you learn from that experience and the only, you can only go up from there. You can get another interview and hopefully get an offer there. Um, take everything you learned and bring it there and hopefully you'll, you'll get something good out of it. You know? And then when it comes time to do the interview, and this is one of the things that I struggle with, as your boy turns 25, oh my gosh, uh, in about a month and a half, is there's all these things that we read and accumulate that make sense in theory. So one thing that's tough is I don't have too many stories accumulated myself of me living and doing these things, training certain athletes or handling certain situations. So when it came time to answer a little bit more real life questions or what would you do about X things that like, yes, you make, you know, make sense in theory, but because it was your first full-time role, you don't have those stories to like truly back up. How did you kind of navigate balancing, not having anecdotes plus like kind of just speaking on theory, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, speaking on theory was a lot of it. I'll say that. I mean, 
didn't have the first real world experience, but I, I gave, gave the best answers that I could. And I learned from coaches that I've been around, um, seeing what they've done and seeing how they handled situations and kind of taking their way through it and saying, this is what I would have done because this coach was my role model. This is what he did. Um, so I'm going to handle that situation the same way that he would. Um, and I mean, that's, that's the big part of it. I mean, learn as you go is a huge part. You're not, you're always, everyone goes through a first, uh, job position like that so you got to learn as you go and take those experiences fantastic definitely can't bs your way through some of those questions but even if it is theory and just saying i i very much trust that coach and stuff like that so awesome you sir you survived the surprise round i think i'll start calling it the surprise round because because like i said each guest because i know their background is like a few things i want to touch on so we will get into it so what is the first most fundamental story. So kind of looking back on your journey thus far, basically, if you came to a fork, you know, you decided to go left and it, you realize that if you went right, everything would have been completely different. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I knew you just talked, you just touched on it. I mean, like being so young, both of us, I mean, we don't have as many stories as um, some of our, our peers or some of our role models. So, but I do have a couple. I mean, <laughs> deciding to, uh, play college volleyball at Benedictine was probably my biggest uh, turning point for me and where I experienced probably the most amount of growth. Um, because if I didn't and I decided to go to some other school, I don't think I would have ever come across SNC Field um, or even like gotten into this realm whatsoever. So I went into my senior year of high school, obviously going through the whole recruiting process and finding schools where I wanted to go and play at. Um, so I took a bunch of visits, but I didn't even consider the education programs. This is where I kind of screwed up. I mean, I went to all, all these schools and I looked at their athletic programs and their facilities and everything they had like that. Um, and I was like, wow, these are pretty cool facilities. And not one coach asked me about like, do you want to go see the education buildings? Do you want to go see the science building? I was like, no, that's okay. I'll be okay. <laughs> not one coach asked me. I was like, I would have wanted to see that thing, those things, but I didn't get the offer to go see those. Um, but decided on Benedictine. I lo love the coach. I love the staff. Uh, I love the facilities and everything like that. And then during my freshman year, I had to pick a major. I was like, I was still undecided. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so going into that, I kind of started looking around what they offer. And I found this exercise science program um, that I kind of wanted to do. I wasn't fully into it yet. Um, so I stayed undecided pretty much um, halfway through my freshman year wasn't completely bought into it. Um, and then once we started our team workouts with our strength and conditioning staff, um, I was like, wow, you guys have a really cool job that you do here. I was like, what did you guys go to school for? So I kind of asked him a bunch of questions. And he's like, well, I went for biology and this other guy went for exercise science. And I was like, oh, exercise science. I was just looking into that. How did you, how did you start off? Where did you go to school? I just kind of sat down with him, talked to all these questions. He's like, yeah, exercise science was what I decided I wanted to do. He started off in like the physical therapy realm. Um, and then kind of transitioned over to strength and conditioning and did that full time. He's at Benedictine still to this day. He's been there for a while, but he's a great guy. I mean, I learned a lot from him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, after he told me that, I kind of decided on exercise science. I thought I was also going to go the physical therapy realm. So kind of just taking classes all freshman year, sophomore year. Um, during sophomore year, I was, I was working at a, like a health club, a little private health club where moms and dads and all that work out. 
Um, and I was just being like the, the towel kid and going around, like picking up towels and putting weights away, cleaning up and vacuuming and cleaning up and whatnot. And then after about half a year of being there, our fitness director had an opening for a personal training position. And he asked me, would you be interested? I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't really know too much. I mean, I'm taking these classes, but I don't have any experience training people. And he's like, well, I can, I can teach you that. I can teach you that part. Because <clears throat> the one thing that he told me that kind of stuck with me was like, you can teach anybody anything, but you can't teach someone how to be a great person. I mean, like, and that was something that he saw in me that I was very grateful for is that he thought I was a great person. I took that as a huge compliment and he taught me everything that he knew about personal training. Um, so I did personal training there for, I want to say like seven months. Um, and then after seven months, I landed another internship at Hustle Strength and Performance where I'm at to this day, uh, where I did that for about three months under a couple of coaches that did a lot for me, taught me a lot, got me out of my shell, um, helped me coach and teach me a bunch of different things working with athletes because that was the first opportunity I had working with kids and athletes around uh, 17, 18 high school age. Um, and I did that for three, four months. <clears throat> um, then I got offered a part-time position and then that took me all the way to graduation. I mean, I was there for quite a while for about two years and then graduated and went out to UCLA for my internship. If you have a friend, colleague, whoever that you think would enjoy the stories, lessons, and experiences on the Talking Shop podcast just as much as you do, if you think that they would get just as much value out of listening to these episodes as you do, please take the five seconds to hit share, copy link, and send their way. Thank you. And here you are now. Yeah, I am, man. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting to like look back and I call it like the power of moments in sports because myself, similar to you, I walked on at Truman State and I just think back like, what if coach cut me? Like literally, like like it was just that one day, it was like, you know, whatever August of my freshman year, I would have became a frat bro, no dis no disrespect, but would have became a frat bro, you know. I don't know if I would have stuck with exercise science, all this stuff, or just like when I got hurt my junior year of high school, and then I started uh, seeing a PT in the athletic trainer. And I was like, whoa, like I can do this. It's like so crazy to think about like it. Sometimes it does come down to one moment. Uh, but I also liked what your, what the, the guy at the personal training place said about how I can teach anyone, you know, anyone can write a program. Anyone can, you know, go through a structured warm up, but like, having that factor of just like wanting to to talk to people or be a good person or just like for example we had an intern take over something else and it was her first class that she did on her own and i was like is this workout going to make or break these kids athletic careers she's like probably not and then i was like if if they leave the field not really enjoying it it was just weird and like they don't probably want to come back next time like is that going to be more impactful she was like yeah that kind of sucked and i'm like all right so do the best you can on the program. Here's the piece of paper. You know, I'll answer all of your questions beforehand, but just like bring the juice and just like make them, I don't care. Like if you get the sets and the reps wrong and all of this stuff and that, you know, like, like we can, we can fix their, their technique next time, you know, but like make them just love training. And like, it's just so crazy to think about just all of this stuff. So I think that that was just a, a, a super cool story, but the follow-up question to that is like, 
did you almost not play in college? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty close. I mean, I knew I wanted to play. Um, I just didn't know where or what, what field. I wanted to go far, and then I kind of said, oh, I also want to stay close to home, and I kept going back and forth with that. Um, and then I visited a bunch of schools, and I ultimately decided I wanted to stay close to home. That was kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and then I picked Benedictine, and I was like, let's, let's go here. Let's see how I like it. Let's experiment a little bit. Um, and I stuck with it. I mean, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did because if I didn't go here, I'd say I probably wouldn't have played all four years. I would have maybe quit after two years, maybe quit after one. I don't know. I mean, that's like you said, you could have gone right or you could have gone left. Who knows what happens? And then uh, last thing kind of on this topic, how did UCLA come to be? Oh, man. I mean, so this was senior year of college, getting ready to graduate. I mean, I think it's like February or March. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do after graduation. Um, I, I, by, this, by this time, I figured out I wanted to go into strength and conditioning and team sports. Um, and I started looking at schools that offered internships and had good curriculum and would teach you a lot and get a good, get a good experience. And I started looking at schools that I thought would be really cool to be an athlete at. And I was like, okay. I mean, being a volleyball player, UCLA has always been, I mean, number one. I mean, like, that's the premier program in the country. I mean, being able to be an athlete there would have been the coolest opportunity in the world. But I figured if I can't be an athlete there, why not be the next best thing and try to coach there or try to intern there and learn and be around those athletes and watch them do their thing. Um, so that's how it came. I mean, I put out my application in March. I think I heard back like a couple a couple weeks later for the first round of uh, like the application process. You'd have to send in videos of you doing a clean and jerk or an RDL and a snatch. Send that in. They don't like it. Boom, you're out. <laughs> if they like it, okay, you move on to the next round. Um, but they liked it. Hit that round. Moved on to the next one. Eventually got a phone call, and then they offered me the position. Flew out there right after graduation. Started in June. Any any quick advice for that person seeking out that first big internship or going through that application slash interview process, knowing that it's different than the full-time one, but it's specifically for internships. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking into doing one at the college sector, I kind of recommend doing it the way I did. I mean, not to get a, not to say like, that's the only way to do it, but look at a school that you would have loved to be an athlete at. Like look up to a school that you're a fan of um, or like a school that you want to be play at. Like that's a good opportunity to do it and get a first world experience of what it's like to be there, um, to be around those coaches what are, and get all that education material that they could teach you. Um, there's a lot of schools that put out content on Instagram, Twitter and all that saying like what their curriculum, curriculum is like. So look that over before you kind of go through that process and see what they do. If it interests you, reach out, reach out, send them an email, try to get them on the phone if you can, um, and see what happens from there. And that internship is, it's an interesting, not that I, I was a GA in college, but for sports science and not in the athletic department, that's a different story. But internships versus GAs versus like assistant roles is like, there's that clout of the big school, but then there's consequently the opportunity to do more stuff at the small school. Absolutely. And here's a question that 
actually an interview I had for a temporary SNC coach, six month, not a GA, but like not like full, full time. I asked, I was like, how much of this role is going to be autonomous or not, you know? And the guy's like, Oh, like, you know, and, and it's interesting when you have that lens of like, I had a full-time job already. I was looking for other jobs. It's like, I'm not there to be, I'm not there to be like another one of like a, a little minion, you know? And if, and if you want super hands-on experience, like that's a super valid question, you know? So there's that fine line between dream big, go to that school, get your name out there, make it happen versus like if it's a GA or if it's kind of that next step, I'm just assuming about these kind of roles, but um, I'm wondering if, if you had a, a similar experience. So when I was at TCU, the more time I spent with the baseball team, football team, beach volleyball team, women's tennis team, it's like, man, if my parents were only more athletic, I could have had all this stuff, all of it. If you had a similar, similar reaction when you got to exactly, UCLA. Exactly the same way, man. Exactly. I just got more and more angry. I'm just like, ah, oh, geez, why? That's my mom, 4'10", my dad's 5'8", and they both played, like, high school tennis, you know? Like, I also went through the, the thought process of, like, why did not my parents not live in Los Angeles? <laughs> it's like when you go out there, it's, like, the same weather every day, 75 and sunny. You wake up, it's the same same temperature every single day. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I could have had this instead of uh, rain and snow in Chicago. <laughs> you, chose to, you chose to come back, but my mom's actually from Orange <laughs> County. I'm like, Dad. How the heck did you talk mom into moving back to Chicago? I could have grew up in California. This is ridiculous. But to, to bring it all full circle as coaches is like, you know, I would say if I had TC boost when I was younger, you know, like, I don't even know what, what could have been possible. And it's like, well, I can do that for all these other kids now. And how exciting is that? So just bringing it full circle. But so next big question, what is the coolest store you have thus far? So if some rando goes, oh, you're a coach, like, tell me about that. And you only, you only have time to tell one story. What would it be? I mean, I mean, we've been talking about it the whole time, but being able to move across the country and for this unpaid, amazing life experience at UCLA, I mean, that has to be number one. I'm, I'm so young where I haven't had as many opportunities and stories to create, um, but this has to be number one. I mean, going out after graduation and deciding to do this, not taking any money, getting unpaid, going to live in California where rent is crazy high and not knowing what to expect. It was like amazing life experience outside of the world of like strength and conditioning and coaching. I mean, the things that you learn when you're on your own and in a place so far from home is very, very important to do. And I recommend everybody do something similar. It doesn't have to be as drastic as taking no money for six months, but uh, finding a way to get out, get out of your hometown and away from parents and a situation that you're comfortable in and learning from it and doing it all on your own and not, not coming home and quitting after a couple of months because it's hard. Uh, but it, it was, that's, that has to be number one. I mean, going out there, not knowing where you're going to live. I mean, I had no idea where I was going to live when I landed on my flight, started, got to campus as quick as I could, looked around for apartments, what's cheap, what can I afford? Started going in there asking, can I live here? Can I pay a little bit cheaper? Can I live here for a couple weeks, a couple months? And finally finding a place with, uh, oh, this was, this was awful, man. The place that I first lived when I got there, there's like, there's a, it's a three bedroom apartment. Very nice apartment, very nice apartment. The rent was like well over like four grand a month. Um, but huge uh, kitchen area, huge living room three big bedrooms, three bathrooms, all, all that jazz. 
Um, and it was all these like frat kids. We were just talking about it, all these frat kids. So I was kind of walking on the street, knocked on their door. I was like, do you guys have any rooms available in here? Can I stay here? And they're like, yeah, what's up, bro? You, what's up? You want to come in? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, can I stay here? And he's like, yeah, you got, we got an extra room in the back. I'll charge you like 600 bucks a month. So he, this, these kids gave me a good deal, he paid 600 bucks a month. I mean, I had to live with them while they were partying and doing all this crazy stuff. And it was a mess, but I was glad they gave me an opportunity to live there. <clears throat> well, so hold up. You're telling me you hopped off the plane at LAX, committed to a six-month internship, unpaid, not knowing where you were going to live. No, I mean, I had a, I had a few places in mind that I could look at and go ask. Um, but really at that point, everything was kind of full. I mean, everything was kind of booked. School was just about to start. Um, and students had taken pretty much everything. So I was kind of took the first Uber I could to campus, <clears throat> walked around to the closest apartments I could find and started asking around, can I, where can I stay? Where can I stay? And some people were nice enough to help me out. <clears throat> so then consequently, what if it had become 11 PM midnight and you had nowhere to go? <laughs> well, you know, the homeless rate in Los Angeles is pretty high. I could have got a tent, <laughs> stayed in an overnight, I found something. Um, but I, I was confident I'd find somewhere to work. Um, there was a couple of people that I reached out to said, I might have an opening, I might not. Come visit me on this day, we'll see what we can do. I mean, most of them were said they're pretty full. And then I finally come across one, one little apartment with uh, six frat bros that would give me a place to stay. So I was lucky, cross my fingers. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't even like my just type A brain is just like, I just couldn't even fathom doing that. So <laughs> props to you, man. I can't imagine what that must've been like. Yeah. But so last question kind of on that topic. So I'll ask the same question about your first head SNC role, but going out to that big first time, just graduated, got a piece of paper saying you're smart. I'll call it degrees that because that's what it is, I guess. One thing that going into it, met your expectations, whether positive or negative. And one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, like, like even if someone told me to prepare for that, there's no way that I could have expected that. We're at, at UCLA, we're talking about? Yeah. Um, I mean, first day, first day we started at, I think it was like 6.30 a.m., nothing, nothing crazy. Um, but as soon as we got there, all six of us interns were locked out of the building kind of waiting outside. I think they did it on purpose. Um, but as soon as 6.30 hit, one of their coaches came up to the door, opened up, listened, let us in. Um, we come down, he opens up this room where kind of like the intern office. So we have like six little desk chairs and everything like that. And we got a big, big package of uh, gear and shoes and stuff like that that they wanted us to wear and basically our uniform and stuff like that. Uh, I was like, well, this is cool, this is cool. And then the coaches come in and they're like, don't get, too, don't get too comfortable. These are your only two shirts for six months. <laughs> they gave us two of the exact same shirt, two of the exact same shorts, and uh, one pair of shoes that we were supposed to wear pretty much every day for six months, no stop. So, I mean, like, every day you showed up, that's what you expected to wear. If you didn't wear it, um, you basically get strike one. If you get strike three, you're kind of out of there and done. So, coming into that where it's, like, really strict – um, like uniform policy, you got to be on top of this, you got to be on time. And because I was never held too accountable like that before. I mean, 
to tell me that I have to wear these two shirts for six months straight is kind of like a, a mind blow when you first hear it. Um, so that was kind of brutal. <clears throat> Having worked in the equipment room at TCU, I did that for the summer in between my two years of my master's. And I, holy crap, like the amount of stuff they have. Like if I could just like, like share my memory of just like, like I would spend entire days. I don't think I've ever talked about this on, on TSP before. Entire days putting stickers of guys' numbers on their flip-flops. Oh, man. I wish I was kidding. I never had to do that. And, like, ironing their numbers into their shorts. Hey, here's this brand-new pair of $60 Nike shorts. If you lose it, don't worry. Like, well, we're, we're going to put your number in everything. Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. It was really cool, though. It was really cool. But, like, just the stuff they have and that stuff, I don't know. It's a, a, a different story, but... Um, yeah, I would, I would assume you probably wore a lot of deodorant during those six months. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you didn't even have the time to, to really like go home or go to your apartment, shower, come back in between sessions. It's like you're there from 6.30 to probably 4 or 5 p.m. at night. It was like, okay, do what you can, work out in between and go as you go. And make it happen. So last, last second to last big question, last big story. So looking back at your young and fruitful career, all the stuff you've done thus far, what is the one that the story that you are most proud of or the biggest full circle moment kind of looking back that, that was just like, yeah, like I did that, that happened. Yeah. I mean, it has to be uh, getting that head in SNC position at St. Lawrence. I mean, getting the, the trust um, from, from coach Brad Lashinsky that he would trust me to take that to take on that role at such a young young age was a huge honor. I mean, he told me how many people applied for the position and how many people he knew that applied for it. Um, and the fact that he still gave it to me was um, just like a, a pat on the back. You know, it felt like that hit me in the heart. It was like, okay, you must really trust me. You must really know who I am and what I can bring to the table. So it really meant a lot. I could be more proud of myself for that. <laughs> Looking back, do you remember a moment of when you kind of knew you were going to get it or when like the conversation slash questions went from like a little more like, like me interviewing you slash formal slash strict to like a little bit more casual or is there like, do you, do you remember kind of a, a turning point? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, our first interview in person was at that school uh, in this little cafeteria kind of area. Um, we met, the, it was a formal, formal interview the first time. And then the second time he wanted me to come back, it was like, I forget. It was, I think it was the day after Christmas. He sent me a text. He's like, hey, would you be able to come back tomorrow? We have some athletes training. You can kind of watch and look around and see what you think. And I was like, okay, I think this might be it. I think he's going to offer me the opportunity if I go out there again. And I get there. It's, it's snowing, obviously. It's the day after, two days after Christmas, I think. And he's out in the field. Um, playing baseball with some of the guys and throwing the ball around. I was like inside waiting. I was like, Brad, I'm here. Where are you? He's like, oh, come out to the baseball field. So I go out there and he's like, hey, I'd like to really have you here if you could be, if you take it. <laughs> Fantastic. Celebrating in the snow. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. <clears throat> so on TSP, I love the theoretical stories, lessons, experiences, because the X's and O's are what bring us here. But at the end, end of the day, that is not what it's about. But consequently, we're all coaches, and the X's and O's bring us here in the first place. So we have to be good at what we do. 
So if you had to give the listener one question that they could ask themselves on a, on a daily basis, sticking out for their mirror, whatever it may be, to help them get better, what would that question be? Yeah, I mean, when you sent this over, I had, a, I had to think about this one, but I had a few lined up that I could think of. Um, the one that I constantly ask myself is what really makes you tick? Like what really gets you going? What really motivates you and drives you to do what you do? Um, for myself, it's being around kids and teams um, and helping that team succeed and trying to go to all those teams games and working with them in the weight room and then seeing that translate onto the, the field or court um, and just being there for them as much as they can and doing whatever you can to help them. Um, that's a big one. And the second one I'd have to throw with that is something that you should ask yourself every day you go into work. It really doesn't matter what your job is or what field you're in is what is my main intention today going into work? Um, is it, is it trying to make this kid better at this movement? Is it trying to teach him how to hinge his hips properly? Um, is it building a better relationship with my coworker? Um, is it going home to my, my family and uh, giving them what I can and being the, the person that they need me to be? Um, something along those lines. It's like, what, what can you bring to the table every single day um, to take your, your opportunity or your job to the next level? Um, and what is your intention for that day? That's what I would think. And it's interesting to like really just take a step back and it's like, why am I here? Why is it worth getting up in the snow and going throwing the baseball around at the, at the baseball field and all the, the early mornings and, and all this stuff? It's like, you don't have to do this, you know? And it's, it's interesting when it's like, okay, then don't. And it's like, I don't, I don't have to do this. So when you're so crystal clear on what that is, and I know it's so cliche, know your why and start with why and all this stuff, but it's like, well, that's cliche because it's true because it's overused and people don't overuse things that aren't true, you know? So like just being crystal clear about that. And that's what you lean on, you know, like there's no, there's not really short days in coaching as I'm sure anyone who's like legitimately coached before knows as just trying to schedule this interview, this conversation between you and I was, was just story for a different day, but like, that's just what you lean back on. And and this actually happened to me recently now that we're in our summer schedule coaching a ton and it kind of hit me like not having slept the best knowing i was going to go from like 7 30 to like 7 pretty much and like just being so excited for the day that that was like trumping being tired and it was just like almost more motivating than just being excited for the day if that makes sense just because like i'm so crystal clear about that and then your second question, there's all of these, there's all of these big things, goals that we want done. Oh, I want to help this kid get a college scholarship and I want to eventually get this role at this place and all of this stuff. And it's like, well, where you break it down, it's like, how is this hour going to help athlete get that? How is this hour going to help this business succeed? How is this next hour going to X? You know, it's like, well, you can't achieve that goal in that hour, you know, but what is that one thing? What is that one attention or that intention? You know, if it's simply like a younger kid, it's like, make them want to come back tomorrow and you are successful at that. That is a huge win, you know? So I think it's interesting. Like I said, kind of just taking a step back. 
Um, and that is my reflection on your questions, if that inspired anything else from you. Yeah, I mean, con consistency over time kills, man. Consistency kills. I mean, when you, you just touched on it, it's like if you can inspire a kid to want to come back and want to train, that means you're kind of building some consistency in that kid and kind of wanting to be there because he'll be there every single day excited to go and get ready and train and get after it. Because if he's not excited, he doesn't want to be there. He's probably not going to get much out of it because he won't push himself very much. Um, especially being in teams, working with teams, you know, coaches can't be there watching every single kid at every single minute of a workout. You got to rely on the kids to have the discipline and the motivation to push themselves and tell them, okay, maybe I need to go up and wait. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe my form wasn't good. I need to back down. You need to trust them to have that discipline to do it on their own. And that just comes with consistency. I mean, the more that they're in there, the more that they're training with you, they learn what's right and what's wrong and what they should do and um, X's and O's and things they can learn and keep moving on from there. But consistency over time kills. Couldn't, couldn't be more clear on that. I think consistency is the sexiest, not sexy variable in all of training. Like no one wants to talk about it, you know, and, and I, I just wrote an, an article for a, a different website about like six pack or six week six pack abs is not called lifestyle or lifetime six pack abs. There's a reason why like this stuff fails after an X amount of time, you know, and like just understanding I would rather train 100% of the time at 75% than zero, than 50, than 100, than 90, than 100, than zero. You know, just like, yeah. like I, I have a, a mom client. I helped her get two pull-ups by her 50th birthday. Her goal was one and she's up to three now and she wants to get five. Hey, there we go. Yeah. And like, that's stronger than most of the females that walk into our gym. It's like a 50 year old mom of two. And then I'm like, I, so I, I give her a hard time all the time, but I'm like, that's a testament to your consistency. Like, you haven't missed. We've been training twice a week for the last like eight months. You know how many of my athletes I see that much? Barely any, you know, and it is the sexiest, not sexy variable for sure. And that's something I totally believe in. So consistency over time kills and it is sexy. You just got to make it sexy. You just got to endorse it and just preach on kids, making it happen. And just like, just the accumulation effect. I think it cannot be undersold. So now going to turn the tables. Wait, sorry. Last question, because I'm the private side, you're in the high school side and you do both. So the private side, because kids are paying to be there and you speaking on making them want to come back. How has the entrepreneurial private, whatever we want to call it, that side of coaching being intentional about the experience versus something a little bit more regimented where they have to be there. You know, it's larger kids or just larger groups. How have those, have you been able to kind of learn from one, apply the good stuff kind of back and forth or how is doing, how is doing both roles, both roles consequently helped each other? Yeah. I mean, I think as coaches, we kind of hear it all the time is uh, it might be your sixth session of the day, but it's that kid's first. Um, and this is really important in the private sector just because you could have been coaching for five hours straight but that's the that that kid's first workout of the day and first and only workout of the day. So you better give him the best experience he can and make him want to be there and make sure he has a damn good good time. Um, and taking that from the private sector and trying to bring that over to the high school sector has been a battle. But it's the same thing. I mean, it, it's that kid's first workout and only workout of the day. 
but you've been there for six hours straight. So make him enjoy his time or her time and make sure they want to come back tomorrow. Um, just making sure the kid has fun. I think that's the biggest thing, especially at this age, is that you got to make sure that they um, want to be there, want to be around you and their team and want to come back tomorrow. Not because they have to, but because they want to be there. And that's the difference be between like the private and high school sector. Like you said, is one's paying to be there and one is not. One has to be there because of their, their sport coach told them to. Um, but give them another reason to be there instead of just being forced to. You know, that's, I think that's a huge part of it. <clears throat> and think about how impactful that would be with this idea of consistency. And so in high school, because the consistency is with the schedule, but if you can create that consistency with the effort, because you're so intentional about making it the best workout, best hour of their day, you know, imagine if, if for their whole eight hour school day, they're looking forward to that one hour with you, you know, or the morning workout, like just ruins the rest of their day. Cause their workout was so awesome. Nothing else can possibly compare, you know, and just how many high school athletes, college athletes, even just have coaches and teachers where it's just like clock in clock out. And like, you can be, you can be different. You know, I think that that's so, I think that that, that is so exciting. There's a lot to be learned from the private sector. And as I do it more, I'm super grateful that like I'm learning coaching through this context of experience and enjoyment and make them want to come back and, and all that stuff. So, so very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're really lucky. I mean, St. Lawrence is one of the few schools that has a full blown strength and conditioning program with two full-time coaches around, I mean, Chicago or even around the country, there's not too many. Uh, it's definitely growing. More high schools are getting out there and getting coaches and creating programs. Um, but we're one of the first ones that, are doing it and we get to see it firsthand and we get to see it grow. Um, so it's great to see. <clears throat> very, very exciting. So now I'm actually going to turn the tables on you. So to say thank you for your openness, honesty, sharing your stories and whatnot. And now you can shamelessly plug whatever you got to plug where can <laughs> listeners get more of coach Valentini. Yeah. I mean, you guys can follow my Instagram. It's, it's Jonathan underscore Valentini. Pretty simple. Um, you can check me out there. I also have a, a website where I create articles uh, on training and stuff like that. <clears throat> That's just jv-performance.com. Uh, pretty simple also there. I mean, that's about it. I mean, you can follow uh, Coach Brad Lashinsky. I know we talked about him a lot. He's at uh, Primetime SP, I think, 2-1 on Instagram. Um, but check him out. He's got a lot of great work also. Good role model, man. <clears throat> All right, fantastic. So thank you very much again. And I'm looking forward to, to stopping by St. Lawrence next. All right, man. Thanks for having me.